regardless of the tempo, regardless of the beat, regardless of whether it's rock and roll, blues, country, contemporary, whatever, if you ain't got that story that he's your Savior and he's your Lord, you don't have nothing to sing about. But if he's your Savior and if he's your Lord, regardless of the tempo, regardless of the beat, you need to be saying, this is my story. I once was, but now I am. No longer the old man. I'm a new man. Woo! Man, all that old stuff, I was a runt sucker. I mean, runt milk, runt, runt meat. No, no, that ain't good. A runt man ain't no good. The old man. But how many of you have found out that the old man likes to try to stick his head up every once in a while? But because this is my story, and this is my song, if I praise him all day long, if I look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, he will see me through. He's promised in his word that with every temptation he makes a way of escape, that he wouldn't put any more on us than we could bear. But too many of us walk around singing, Gloom, despair, and agony on me. <laughs> Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. And we get so consumed with the negative side of our life that we forget to say, this is my story. This is my song. I'm going to praise him all the day long. But I promise you, when you praise him, he'll show up and he'll show out. Because he's promised in his word that he inhabits the praises of his people. If you get sad sack and your chin hits the floor and you're down in the dump, begin to praise him. Paul and Silas at midnight in the inner prison, shackled, prayed and sang praises. And as a result, the shackles fell off, the doors opened up, and they walked out of that place free. And I want you to understand that I've told you before, until you learn to praise him in your midnight hour, hold up, until you learn to praise him in your midnight hour, You'll stay shackled. You'll stay imprisoned. You'll stay in darkness. You'll stay in that woe is me mentality. God doesn't want us being there. I assure you that's not where he wants us. I've had three sermons come and go today. But I think this is where he wants me to light. Luke chapter 24 is going to be a passage of scripture that will depict the story that I'm about to tell. And in the war, England was being bombed. Its cities were in ruin. Sir Winston Churchill steps to the forefront and he delivers a speech that is heard around the world that inspired multiplied millions of people. And he said in the middle of all of that turmoil, this can be our finest hour. Church, no matter which directions you're getting hit from, no matter where the bombs are coming from, this can be your finest hour. I want you to understand there's nothing too hard, nothing too difficult for our Lord. 
I want you to understand, and I talk about it almost every week, we've got to understand that as Christian soldiers and warriors, we're supposed to be fighting the fight of faith. Now, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, we can't fight that with physical techniques. How do we fight it? For our weapons are not carnal. They're mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. Meaning, you get in your prayer closet if it's in the hall of your barn in your pickup truck on a horse, literally in a closet, prostrate on your uh, kitchen floor, wherever it is, you come into warfare. Standing on the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God that lives within you, armed with the Word, the anointing of God that will come. It's the anointing that breaks yokes. It's the anointing that sets captives free. The anointing is simply this. God putting His super on our natural. It's God. Supernatural empowering of man, beast, or things to do what we otherwise could not do. Let's see this in the scriptures. Luke 24. Easter message. There's never an inappropriate time for the Easter message. We ought to sing it every day. Somebody should have said, Amen. My goodness. Lengthy passage, stay with me. I may need to get hooked on phonics before it's over with, but... <clears throat> now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the sepulcher, bringing the spices with they, which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold... Two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you while, uh, when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher and stooping down he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. That's roughly seven miles. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And one of them, 
whose name was Cleopas, answered and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all of the people, and how the chief priest and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should be redeemed or should have redeemed Israel and besides all of this today is the third day since these things were done yea and certain women also of our company made us astonished which were early at the sepulchre and when they found not his body they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive and certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said but him they saw not then he said to them, Old fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, in all of the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they drew near, nigh unto the village, whether they went in. He made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them, and it came to pass that as he said it meet with them, he took bread and blessed it, and break and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures. If you notice over there in the early part of that passage how these disciples on the Emmaus road were so dejected and so down in the dumps and so woe is me because that which they had hoped in that would be the Messiah and the Deliverer and the Anointed One is not only been crucified but now they can't even find the body and they're dejected and they're troubled and perplexed and confused and they're walking along there and Jesus joins them and so oftentimes we like these disciples we're walking through life in the middle of our adversities and our trials and our problems and we're troubled and perplexed and confused and we don't even recognize that Jesus is right there with us. We fail to see. We fail to remember that he has promised, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you all the way to the very ends of time. But yet, we become so mesmerized and consumed with looking at the adversity and the problems and the trials that are going on in our life that we lose perspective of the, the deliverer, the Christ, the anointed one. We fail to remember his promises. We fail to see him right there with us. Reminds me of the old uh, picture. You've seen it where there were two sets of footprints and then there was only one. That's when Christ was carrying you and me. 
We said we fail to embrace that with every adversity he makes a way of escape. We fail to remember that it's the trying, the testing, the proving of our faith that's doing a work in us, that's stretching us, it's growing us, it's developing us, it's knocking off the rough, rough edges and it's making us grow in our faith towards God so that we can become mightier men and women of God. We fail to see that it's going to the spiritual gym, so to speak, out and, and getting a spiritual workout that we're growing and we're becoming. We only look at the moment. We only look at the temporary. And we fail to remember that all things work together for good to them that love Jesus. Do you love him? I like to translate that verse this way. Nothing happens to me. It all happens for me. Now sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that. Sometimes we have to do a little tune in our thinking, our stinking thinking. And we have to refocus on those things that we need to be focused on. Said it so many times before, if we, if we can remember to focus on the greatness and the magnitude and the majesty and the power and the might and the love of God and the unending, the endless, perpetual desires of Him to move and mightily on our behalf. If we can just do that, then we, no mountain that arises looks like a mountain. Looks like a molehill. And by the way, let me inject this. God has never called us to be mountain climbers. He's called us to be mountain movers. He's called us to speak to mountains. He's called us to invoke the word, to use his name, to plead the blood, and to watch the power and the might of the Lord manifest and be demonstrated. But when you're in that sad sack moment, when you're like these Disciples on the Emmaus Road. It's important that we draw a few things from them here. The first thing I'd like to call your attention to is in verse 27. Where we need a word from the Lord. Verse 27. That he began at Moses and all the prophets and he expounded unto them all the scriptures. In the scriptures the things pertaining or concerning him. There's a whole lot of good stuff in the Bible. But if you only learn and remember that which is written in red, that'll suffice. You take the words of Jesus and there's not a difficulty, there's not a problem, there's not a trial, there's not a circumstance that he has not addressed and spoken to that's why it's important that we hide his word in our heart so that we don't sin against him that's why we ingest the word of God that we feed our spirit man so that that spirit man is builded unto the mighty man of God that he has called it us to be you know, I was thinking of those 300 mighty men of Gideon. 
What made them mighty? What characteristics set them apart? You remember, Gideon said, okay, boys, if any of you are afraid, go home. Man, he lost just about all of them. And he kept weeding them out till he gets down to these 300. And the Lord told him, you watch them when they get down to drink. The ones that bury their face in the water, don't keep them. Because they're oblivious to everything else that's going on around them. But those that kneel and take water and lap like a dog, they were attentive. They were on guard. They were watching. They were alert as to what was going on around him. And I want you to know, the Word of God tells us to pray without ceasing, to watch and to pray. We need to always be alert. Always be on guard because I tell you what, if you, if you just put your face in the river, the devil's a sucker punch you. He'll cheap shot you. But if you'll be attentive, the discernment that comes by way of the Holy Spirit will give you the heads up. Look out! There's a trap. There's an ambush. Be on guard. We need that word. We need that word from the Lord just like these guys did. We need a fresh word from the Lord, which means spending time with the Lord consistently. It's great that you got a word 10 years ago. How about 10 days ago? 10 hours ago? 10 minutes ago? Ten seconds ago, maybe within the last ten seconds, God's spoken something to you. And let me just time out for a minute. You say, what do you mean God spoke to me? I just don't hear him like you preachers do. Bull. God is no respecter of person. He's always talking. What you've got to do is learn how to differentiate his voice from all the other voices that are out there. But he's speaking to you. But you've got to learn his voice. Because he said in his, his word, my sheep know my voice. The only way you know his voice is spend time with him in communion. And sometimes within communicating with him, did you know communication is a two-way deal? Sometimes you need to shut the heck up where you can listen for a while. It's good to come to Him and let our need and request be made known unto God. It's good to come and, and to pour out our needs to Him, pour out our requests, pour out our desires. But then if you ever stop to think, He might want to tell you how this is going to happen. You need to be quiet. You need to step back. As Barney would say, tick a lot. And allow God to speak to you. Secondly, in verse 31. We need a fresh glimpse of Jesus. You see, when he took that bread and broke it, blessed it and broke it, their eyes were opened. Sometimes just a step back and a reflection uh, to just see who he is, the essence of who he is, afresh and anew, brings hope and it burns within you. Don't get... 
Don't get spiritually stagnant. Some of you country folk in here, you know what a stagnant pond looks like. There's no life in that sucker. Fish die. It's yucky. And I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord. If you're still not growing and learning, you're not healthy. I heard an analogy one time that's not original to me, but I'm going to use it and act like it was. If you have a child, a baby, and at three years of age, that baby's not walking, not doing the things that a three-year-old does, what do you do? You take him to a doctor. Why? Because it's not spiritually healthy. Same thing in the spirit man. If we've been serving God three years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, and we're the same that we were when we started our walk with Him, we're not spiritually healthy. We're not growing because healthy things grow. Growing things change. Change encounters difficulties. Difficulty calls upon us to trust God. Our trust in Him subpoenas and manifest him to manifest and to show up and we've got to get to that place of having a fresh glimpse of him and thirdly I'll, and then I'll close in verse 32 we need a fresh passion or anointing an empowering of his spirit because in verse 32 it, it just said did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us Man, when you get in there and God's talking to you. I've used this before. Scripture, you know, says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. We tend to Think of waiting as and it can include that. But this is the way I want you to see a different way of, of waiting. If any money falls out of here, pick it up, will you? Pretend that I'm a I'm a waiter at a big at Ernest Supper Club. Oh, get me some crab claws. Stay with me just a second. I'll be right back. Yes, Lord. Oh, you want me to fast? Oh. You want me to forgive my enemies? You want me to learn to worship more? And I began to wait on the Lord and allow Him to speak into my life the things that I need to do. Then I can run and not be weary. I can walk and I can not faint. It's because I've been in His presence, waiting on Him, taking His instructions. Listening to them and 
will do them. That's what it just can't be that easy. It is. But you got to crucify the old man. We started out talking about the old man and the new man. You've got to deny the flesh so that the spirit man can grow. You know, really one of the main purposes of fasting? Come on, Brother Gary, you know where I'm going with this. It's a denying of the flesh. Because your body cries out, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. And you're saying, no, 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 I'm going to feed the spirit. I'm going to bring that thought under control. I'm going to deny my body what it's craving so that my spirit man can be fed from the Lord. I'm done. Would you bow your head?